They said I changed the times from the rhymes that I thought of. So I made some order, put the new world in order. With mathematics, put your status above the average. And help you rappers make paragraphs with graphics. Cause new days is dawning, new ways of performing. Brainstorming, I write and watch tonight. All right, y'all, what is going on? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. I do apologize for the long delay on this, uh, but I've been dealing with some technical if issues with my previous YouTube project, which I finally got out. Of course, the history of Oregon football opportunity. You please check that out if you haven't yet, and please subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's the same name as the podcast, Never Out of Bounds. And without further ado, let's get into today's installment. Uh, I wanted to give you guys a brief recap on what's going on uh, between Russia and the Ukraine. Of course, we are a month in uh, into the conflict and talk about a couple different layers of, you know, just just talking points in general about it. And uh, we're going to begin into the effect it's having on Russia and, of course, even us in America. And, of course, I wanted to get somewhat into you know, uh, my thoughts on the Will and Chris Rock situation. I don't want to get too deep into it. But, again, I did want to share my thoughts as well on that. But I also wanted to focus on some college basketball because, you know, that's big time too right now. We are in the midst of the national championship. Last night we had the final four. And we're going to be breaking down both of those games. And then we're also going to be breaking down some... Uh, NFL free agency news as well. Also plan on getting through uh, at least just a kind of general idea of what I have right now uh, planned in the future. Uh, but that'll be near the end of the, the episode. But let's go ahead and get into it. Like I said, we're going to be recapping what's going on in the Ukraine. And remember how last time we talked, I said probably the best case scenario would be if the Ukraine was able to really fight for themselves and push back push back Russia on their own well it's beginning to look like that's happening uh, Russia has currently been retreating uh, from the Kiev region uh, they've also been losing control of many cities they've originally taken over well, they originally took over now this was a projected route for Russia why I don't know um, I think they're military capabilities has always been overblown if you looked at them historically um there's look at them just just look up russian military history and we'll have a great discussion as to why this was such a great uh suggest you know projected route but even me as myself knowing you know what i've seen before i knew russia was gonna have problems i predicted this and you know what it's kind of sad. You know, they've lost over, well, and again, it's all about, you know, uh, where you getting, you know, you want to get your sources, you know, because they'll tell you a different, a lot of them will tell you different numbers. 
Some sources will tell you anything between a little bit above 9,000. Sometimes you'll see around 10,000 or up to 15,000. You have some horror stories telling you that he has a he has mobile crematoriums on the battlefield so he can burn up the body so can't nobody count him. You know, hey, they're saying shit like that. All that, I don't know if that all that's true, but he's getting his ass whooped. Uh, Kiev has been, uh, well, sorry, Ukraine has been battling back, um, really, uh, you know, doing a service for themselves, uh, fighting for their, well, fighting to maintain this their independence because in reality, I I think on the surface Russia said it was about NATO. Uh, interference, but I think that's bullshit. I just think they've never really recognized or respected Ukrainian sovereignty. So this was a power play on their part. Uh, they wanted to use the West as you know, kind of you know, just a footnote, of course, because they don't they don't like us anyways, and that's fine. Um, I don't know why, you know, that's their problem. And, uh, and, of course, we do our thing, but, I mean, so do they. We're not perfect. I mean, it's just two bad guys pointing at each other. Well, you're the worst bad guy. I, again, I'm not getting into that with y'all. That's unnecessary. They're both shit. They're both shit. You know what I'm saying? The U.S. government has created numerous atrocities. So has Russia. Get over it. I mean, they're both bad. We're not going to sit here and say who's worse. or We know what it is. Uh, anyways, um, now it has taken a toll on Ukraine. Of course, there's uh, I think almost I think they said a, a million refugee refugees on on the move. Uh, the U.S. has decided to let in a hundred thousand of them. Wow, really? But people can't go to college here, huh? And you, you just heard about all the new uh, you know um, legislation pertaining to undocumented immigrants, right? Gee, thanks, Biden. You're really making, you're really making Trump's fucking argument, you fucking dumbass. I'm not a, this is why I don't fuck with these motherfuckers. I'll never be a Republican, but at this point, Biden, you just a dumb motherfucker. You just making these motherfuckers point. You, but yet we ain't got shit. Motherfuckers still looking for debt cancellation and can't afford they rent here and they American citizens. Okay. All right, Biden. The, the, it, you know, I... No, nah, I'm cool. I'm going to leave that part alone. Whatever. Man. Done with that dude, honestly. It's like I was done with Trump. I'm two of the worst presidents. Y'all can say what you want about Trump. I ain't buying it. I can see past it. Because the whole bullshit... The whole bullshit plot point of, oh, well, if Trump was president, it, it wouldn't be a war. Okay, y'all. These invasions, like the one you see in Ukraine, these are not just orchestrated one day just out of the clear blue sky because, oh, man, <laughs> Joe Biden was president. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and invade Ukraine right now. No, this is something that Russia has been gearing up for, 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 mm, uh, how many years? Four years, just about. So how long would that be? Oh, just as long as Trump was president, about four or five years. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because Trump pretty much was, you know, under watch when Putin was running his whole military schemes and military, what do you call those, operations and practices and skirmishes all throughout our territory. 
where they be in the water. They were actually interfering with our merchant vessels in Alaska. We've talked about this. They were punking us under Trump. Oh, but it wouldn't be no war. No, they were practicing for war under Trump. Again, both presidents are trashed me. I'm not buying it. I'm not, I'm no longer, I don't do red pill, blue pill here. Don't try it with me. I'm done with the arguments. Anyway, let's get back, talk about what's going on here and right now to, in Ukraine. Now, Ukraine is also showing off some strong area resistance for themselves. They're knocking off Russia's leading commanders. You know, Russia is looking all types of bad. And I'm glad we didn't have to get involved with no troops. Now, of course, we did our, you know, we had our imprint with these, you know, um, sanctions, right? And, uh, you know, of course, Russia didn't like that. They threatened us and all that. So we'll see what comes of that. But uh, it seems the sanctions and just the cost of war in general is fucking Russia up economically. And uh, 33% of their economic or their, you know, stock index dropped during the invasion of Ukraine. Now, they re did reopen for the first time, I believe, sometime last week uh, to start trading again. But their GDP fell, dropped actually 15% this year. And uh, this is the all. This is the end result of an authoritarian government, which is why y'all say y'all love Trump so much. But this is who he idolized. This is his friend. Y'all could talk about this as some art of war or power. Eight forty-eight laws of power. He's a higher thinker. He's just playing with with Putin. You're a liar. He's he's his he's his he's his buddy. Stop it. Stop it. Because in reality, you know, again. He speaks highly of Putin and is a friend of Putin, yet the government themselves under under his administration, uh, our nuclear armistice was called off with them. So we, we're not buddy-buddy. He might be buddy-buddy, but our government is not buddy-buddy across, and that goes across both aisles. We don't fuck with Putin. He fucks with Putin, and that's who got him elected. I know y'all gonna say, no, he didn't. It all got proved to be, yeah, okay. That's why, again, he we caught his ass in, in Ukraine on, on you know, transcript, talking about do me a favor, looking to Biden, or I'm gonna withhold your, oh, my God. Maybe this was a, oh, my, maybe Trump was setting him up right then. See who you don't. Play with a nigga like me. I don't fuck with none of these motherfuckers. Fuck them both. Oh, man. They both trying to send us both to hell. And Trump was trying to be a tyrant just like, just like Putin. And guess what Putin tyrant ass just can cost this country? 15 years of economic growth. He didn't throw it out the window because he wants to play big daddy of the East. And he can't even run him. He can't run nobody. Oh, he done fucked his own. The, the whole thing about Russia is he need to be careful before there's a whole civil war and his whole thing go uh, kaput. His whole, his, whole, his whole army could turn on him at one point. That's what's known to happen in that. I tell you, read your history. Stop all be Oh, because you like him because Trump like him, some of y'all. You need to get out of y'all little fanboyisms. He's not good for the world. Really, he ain't. But neither is people like Biden and Jinping and... Uh, uh, I'm sorry if I mispronounced his name. I can't 
you know, I need a Chinese partner to translate that for me. But neither was Trump. And we could say Biden and whatever. And Marcone from France, Marstone. Uh, a lot of them are boo-boo. Okay, we know this. But people keep voting for them and people don't even understand what's going on. They just keep on, you know, whatever. And America's economy has also been affected, of course. We know about the inflation. Uh, we know about uh, the shipping delays at our stores. And uh, I think what also is a good thing about it, though, because it's a test to see what America truly got through. Because if you're really paying attention at some places, you'll see uh, that certain things are coming back. Certain products are coming back, but they're more locally grown and more locally accessed. So we're seeing really motherfuckers put on for their local government. And that's all they local, you know, uh, farmers and growers. And that's something that should be always have been had uh, something that should always be happening it shouldn't take a war for you to be you know supporting more uh, american businesses and crops and all that and getting those pipelines going from america's uh, businesses to american you know you know what i mean but again there's too much dependence on foreign oil too much dependence on foreign goods in general we have the manufacturing to get it done here that is the main sin with america and also not only do we have it here even if we decided to to, to think out the box a little bit you know since since oh the the russia connection with oil was so damaging to us you know how many other countries produce oil as well a lot of other countries, including ourselves, we could we could always hook up with Nigeria. They they're they're a top ten producer of oil. Would it be would it be wrong to, to would that be wrong though to do business with black folk <laughs> for the for the for the economic benefit? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. You know, you got a couple of Asian countries you can do the same thing with. Canada is a top ten producer in oil. I mean, come on now. And we probably do got get oil connections from them. But I'm just saying, there's ways you you can look around. You know, because this this really honestly, a lot of this is what this all is all about. Oil, you know fossil fuels they want control over these things there's a lot of what these conflicts are all about nobody wants to admit it but again that's the way it is <sighs> again back to the inflation i know people are complaining about that again the gas prices but you know i can take that as opposed to having tanks in my backyard moving on there could be some food shortages i think this could definitely affect uh, more so the European areas, particularly in Eastern Europe, uh, especially because Russia and Ukraine just happen to be producers, large producers of wheat. And planting and harvesting has already been interrupted in Ukraine due to this uh, this invasion. Now, restrictions, uh, you know, well, sorry, restrictions that would affect food trade. Uh, they've kind of been lifted as well on Russia. But again, you know, you, you do have these issues where, you know, it's starting to affect a lot of different things for these two countries in particular. It could affect others. But again, but that just goes to show you the negative aspects of war. Is it necessary? No. It was really a wasted conflict because of one man's ego and one man's greed and this is what happens when it goes unchecked for four years by somebody else and it's left for somebody else to deal with and you know biden ain't got the, the gusto to deal with it so i mean come on now like it, it serves your point but only to like it's oh ah 
this is a good time to show people that I've uh, improved my understanding of that word. It's a fearic, it's a fearic win for you guys because yes, of course Biden doesn't really have the energy to stop the war, but at the same time, Trump could have crushed Putin's aggression a long time ago, and he didn't either. He failed for a long time, just like Bush. And it manifested under Obama. That's the problem. We were so busy in Iraq and all that. But we were letting Putin get a pass for doing what he's doing. Why? I don't know. You know. Hey. But uh, now it's a problem because, you know, Biden is president. It wasn't a problem when, you know, when under Trump, you know, we had, you know, the Russian Air Force, you know, bugging and, and beefing with our Air Force and trying to engage with us then. It wasn't a problem when under Trump they were punking our merchant vessels, right? Okay, but now he's in a whole different country that has nothing to do with us. Oh, it's Biden's fault. Y'all have to make sense here. Get out of here with that bullshit. Anyways, let's talk a little bit about Will Smith. And I had this long-ass thing that I was going to prepare for you guys. I was going to try to, you know, go through all these different layers with you guys and try to relate with my own experiences and then I thought and realized, it's really not all that, okay? Bottom line is, Will overreacted to a simple joke. It did not take a slap. Did Jada Pinkett have the right to be offended? I'm not saying she didn't have the right to be offended, but the joke itself was a little bit silly. That's why Will himself was laughing. And I don't think it was on Will's part to slap Chris. Chris, you have to give him some props because that situation could have been very ugly. It could have been a fight or something very ignorant. You know how we can be as black folks. So I give him the props for not taking it there. Um, you know, but again, like I said, you know, the joke itself was harmful. Again, I'm, I do feel for the fact that, you know, Jada could be, you know, offended or she could have been down about it. But, you know, see, this is the, is the thing. You know, people put out so much of themselves via social media and just media nowadays. Of course, she has her red table talk. And I've heard her mention many times how she wasn't, you know, tripping about her alopecia. And she's just used to it, you know. And it's like, that's kind of the attitude an adult should get. Like, for example, me. There's many things people have roasted me on. You know, again, about my physical appearance. I'm a big ass nose for one. So I could take that, you know, people would say, oh, you this and all that. And you get over that. You know, some people sometimes, you know, whatever. It doesn't hurt your feelings at some point. You you move on, right? And I just thought that the whole situation was just weird and uncalled for. I don't know what to make of it. Some people are calling it fake. Some people are calling it not. And, I, you know, I guess it was just a re it was it was the worst reaction you could make. But it was a reaction nonetheless. This is a human function at the end of the day. So... You know, is is it is it no noteworthy? No, is it a reflection of black men or the or America being soft? No, this is just Will Smith wanted to react in the best way he thought possible, but it wasn't. <laughs> Simple as that. I mean, you know, me personally, um, you know, I, even if I would have laughed a little bit, you know, because it, again, it was kind of funny, you know. Um, Despite, again, I'm going to keep it real with her. Despite, you know, 
Jada might have an alopecia, and um, I, I don't think it's a life-threatening disease, and I understand it. it now, I, I, I thought it was funny, but at the same time, if she felt down about it and she felt it wasn't funny, then that's on then that's on me to feel a little bit down about for that reaction. But it ain't the end of the world, love. He don't hate you. It's not like he hates you. Uh, he might have said something about you at another Oscar Awards, but that was because you, you know, were taking up headlines, I think, for that situation. I think he was referring to that. So, you know, people are, I mean, again, it's like you celebrities. People talk about these people and... You know, I don't I don't understand, you know, you know, how, you know, people jump from one conclusion to the next or want to jump from one reaction to another. Because, again, on the red carpet, you know, I think this was to the same Oscars event. Right. They were being interviewed by somebody and they happened to ask them about the entanglement itself and was joking about it. And nobody tripped about it then. Nobody said nothing but the joke about her being bald just threw her over the edge i just that's weird to me you know like that's that's all that shit is weird you know it's like <laughs> um unnecessary drama for no fucking reason like honestly like i said like you know if i if i really saw that reaction i felt like she felt some type of way i wouldn't slap chris um I might just say, hey, you know, that was kind of fucked up, but I'd be doing my damnness to just kind of make her feel better afterward and just say, yeah, you all that. But at the same time, that's just hypothetically speaking, because I just don't see myself with somebody in an old relationship and being able to be cool with that. So I don't know. Like, <laughs> they got too much, too many things that you got to be cool with. And, you know, and it's like, I don't, you know, like that's y'all shit, you know? Is it a reflection? Like I said, is it a reflection of American men and Western society? No, nah, that's real, man. Fuck all that, you know, hyperbole, you know? Because I know plenty, you know, men, you know, from different backgrounds and different races who feel Will is a sucker for what he did, including black men. There's plenty of black people that thought Will was in the wrong, you know? Um, And it is, is this a prime example of protecting a black woman? Come on. You can do so many things to protect black women in real life, you know what I'm saying? You know, looking out for them and making sure somebody's not, you know, doing harm to them. You know, jokes. Come on, get the fuck out of here. You take care of your girlfriend doing acts of service, you know, those things. That's, you know, that's fine. But I ain't got to slap a nigga because he said a silly ass joke. Are you slapping women when they say silly jokes to Will? I doubt you are. Is it the same energy? No, I know it's not. So, I mean, again, these are really weird reactions. And I think a lot of people's reactions to this have been weird. Like, they take it too out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, man, Western society doesn't like the comedian. No, that's Will that didn't like what that comedian, specific comedian, had to say. I don't see too many times unless you cat wings with motherfuckers going up on stage and smacking you upside the motherfucking face. Come on now. Let that shit go. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody going after comedians like that. <laughs> is Will is Will projecting? Is Will going through something? Yes, Will. Uh, sorry, Jim Carrey was right on that note. But you know, again, it, it, and I mean, it is a a very bad sight to see. But I don't think it sets a precedent, honestly. And you know, um, and it shouldn't. 
And I don't I don't see a, a stratosphere in which it does right now. So we'll have to see what happens. Um, of course, Tony Tony Rock, Chris Chris's brother, has something to say. Now he was kind of out of pocket with what he had to say, calling her all type of b words. Now that's wrong. You don't do all that. Um, you know, so you don't go there. You know, but with that being said, y'all. Don't believe the hype. Don't don't be letting these celebrities take you on a wild ride. Let go of the idolatry and let go. And even if you not, you know, let's, let's say for instance you are red pill, because then you got these people that are anti this and want to say, let it go. These people are not really influencing people the way that you think they are, guys. Stop it. We are not living our lives. A lot of uh, the decent, a lot of us below the surface are not living our lives based on what these people are doing. They just happen to be something that we might talk about. They, they are sound bites <laughs> in what we go into, you know. Um, and maybe I'm just blessed to have a certain support group and a certain group of friends that just ain't it. Maybe it's just my little stratosphere. Maybe I'm just into this bubble where it's not necessarily, we're not necessarily tripping about what Will Smith is doing like that or, you know, whatever, you know. Uh, it, you know, because it, it, I don't, it's weird to see, and I don't think Will was right to do it, but it's not the biggest thing in the world. I'll just say that as well. And let's just end it at that. <laughs> All right, y'all, I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going into some sports. We were breaking down the NCAA tournament. Of course, we had the Final Four last night. We were breaking down both of those games, and then we'll be breaking down some NFL free agency. All right, y'all, I'll be right back. On a timeshare in the islands, Cayman Make me wanna scream four times like the weigh-ins You don't need captions to see what I'm saying See what I'm saying, I am not acting I be what I'm saying, this is too real My life's like aces, can't get a new rail I'm playing my hand, can't get a new deal They are using their tricks to try and cheat me They are using their tricks to try and treat me but I'm Michael Myers hiding in the Eiffel Tower And a movie is this like for hours Watch Alright y'all, we are back. I wanted to break down some college basketball. Of course, the national championship is upon us. UNC, uh, the Tar Heels are going to be facing off against the Kansas Jayhawks. I wanted to break down both of these teams' path uh, to the finals. And then we're also going to get into some college basketball news as well. The player of the year uh, has been named. And then we're also going to talk about the fallout going on at LSU bunch of drama but let's go ahead and get into uh this national championship matchup of course uh number eight north carolina uh we're gonna talk about like i said uh, just kind of their path to get here and just go ahead and break it down now uh the tar heels will finish the regular season 23 and 8 with a win over duke of course that was uh coach case final uh final home game at least for duke and they will go on to finish the regular season 28th in scoring with about 78 points per game. They were also six in total rebounding with over 40 a game as well. Uh, this team uh, has definitely been led all around by Ford Armando Backett. Uh, 16, over 16 points from him over the course of the season. Also, uh, 12 over 12 rebounds, almost 13 rebounds a game. Uh, Brady Maddock is a point, is a name that uh, 
that should probably get a lot more praise than what it's had than what it has been right recently. Excuse me, uh, particularly within this uh, this championship run or this tournament run. So uh, his name might not uh, come up all the time, uh, but if if it doesn't, if it's not. Uh, just just as a reminder, Brady Maddock is a definitely, uh, you know, another big man, another component to this team. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about Caleb Love as well. Uh, but in terms of the tournament for North Carolina in the first round, the matchup against the number nine seed Marquette, they will get an easy win here, 95 to 63. Uh, their first big win uh, will come in the second round against uh, Baylor. Uh, Baylor was a first seed the team here, but they will get the win, 93 to 86 in overtime. For the Tar Heels in this one, of course, R.J. Davis will be the team's leading scorer in this one. 30 points from him, 6 assists, and also 5 rebounds. Brady Maddock, again, having a monster game, uh, pretty much indicative of what he's been doing throughout the tournament. 26 points, 2 assists, and 5 rebounds. And, of course, uh, Backett, who I mentioned before, would have 15 points in this one, 16 rebounds, and also 4 assists. Uh, basically a double-double machine, and he's constantly getting double digits and rebounds. That's just his thing. Uh, one of the best big men uh, in the country. I will actually... Well, definitely one of the best because of, of course, Oscar Tshibwe. Uh, I think he's Tshibwe out of Kentucky. He's probably head and shoulders better than a lot of other people. But back it, I would I would say is not that far behind. But again, uh, there is there is a bit of a difference. But again, back it is a great in his own right. Uh, for Baylor in that game, they were led by their guards. Uh, Adam Flagger will get 27 points, three rebounds. James Akinjo will get 20 points as well. Even Jeremy Sokan will get 15 points off the bench and 11 rebounds and three assists. Of course, uh, this game will be, you know, very close. It would end up going to overtime. And uh, North Carolina would actually give up 51 points in that second half and give up 21 total turnovers. Again, that second half could have uh, went either way. Um, but again, you know, UNC pushes it to that overtime. And they seem to get, you know, well, actually, sorry, Baylor pushed it to the overtime, but it looks at it looked as though that um, you know the Tar Heels just had a little bit more energy just to push through and was able to get the win. I think it made you know it made all the better of it, all the difference. Uh, but the the Tar, the Tar Heels would shoot almost fifty percent from the field, forty four percent from three. They also controlled the boards in that game, forty seven to thirty eight. They also had twenty one team assists, so a very uh, balanced approach. They were able to pass the ball very well. They were able to shoot the ball from outside, just able to score in general, uh, you know, particularly in the first half and, of course, where it really mattered in overtime because they got outscored in the second half. But uh, Brady Maddock was ejected in this game, so despite his 26 uh, points, he wasn't able to make it through. Uh, and their guard, their starting uh, guard, Caleb Love, would, uh, would foul out as well. But the Tar Heels, again, finding ways to get it done. I uh, I definitely didn't see this team making this deep of a run. I just figured that they would probably make the tournament, uh, finish with a winning, re winning record at least. But with the way the season started from them, I really didn't see all this transpiring. But you never know until everything happens. But in the Sweet 16, they would meet uh, they would meet up against uh, number the, the number four seed, excuse me, UCLA. Uh, they would get the win in this one, 73 to 66. Uh, Caleb Love will score 30 points in that game, six of 13 from three, and uh, and then it, and then in the Elite Eight, excuse me. Uh, they will get a win over the Cinderella story of this year's tournament, uh, the 15 seed 
St. Peter's. Pretty easy win here. They cruised 69 to 49. They were held. Uh, they would hold St. Peter's. Excuse me, to just 30. 30 <laughs> My words are, are uh, slipping me. It's a little bit late, but 30% uh, shooting from the field, 25% uh, from three. So a terrible shooting night uh, for the Peacocks of St. Peter's. Again, they just couldn't keep up, and you know. Carolina just kind of just showed everybody who they, you know, the championship caliber that they are. Um, now, the other, also the other cold part about St. Peter's is that they only scored 19 points in the first half. And that, you know, again, things got a little bit better for them in the second half. But, you know, the Tar Heels put up a clinic in that game. But uh, moving on, uh, we have the number one seed, Kansas. Of course, their opponent uh, going into this championship round. And Kansas would finish this regular, sorry, Kansas would finish the regular season 25 and 6. And will go on to win the Big 12 Conference title. Uh, they would finish the season as the number one team in the conference. So they won the regular season title. They also will go on to win the conference tournament. So they doubled down. Uh, they were pretty much the kings of the conference this season. And they were actually 23rd in scoring uh, in the nation in scoring with over 78 points per game. Uh, but the f defensively is where this team has uh, stepped up, particularly lately. Uh, in the past, I believe it would have been uh, seven to eight games. Uh, they failed to actually they wouldn't give up more than 64 points in about eight games including uh, the the tournament so you know offensively they're they're pretty decent but defense is what they've been making their uh, their bones with uh, throughout this tournament so again they're creating turnovers and they're just keeping teams from shooting well they're, they're just forcing teams into a lot of bad shots you can look at uh, their opponents free throw uh, sorry their uh, shooting percentages and they're just all out of, out of, out of whack and uh, good pressure uh, I will say this from what I've seen good pressure by the Jayhawks defensively and they've just created a lot of these situations but in the first round they were a uh, matchup against the 16th seed Texas Southern uh, they were cruised to an 83-56 win here in the second round they would face off against the number 9 seed Creighton they would get a of course they could get another another W here 79-72 to in the Sweet 16 things would get a little bit closer uh, they were matched up against the fourth seed Providence uh, they still got the W though 66 to 61 in that game Providence was led by uh, their guard out Jami Durham he would have 21 points four assists and seven rebounds and their forward Noah Horchler would get uh, 10 points and also eight rebounds for Kansas Reed Martin uh, would just explode off the bench with 23 points, three assists, and seven rebounds. And forward Jalen Wilson would get 16 points and 11 rebounds. And both teams, again, uh, you know, they would shoot below 40%, so points were at a premium. And uh, with all the misses, though, Kansas would have a slight edge on the board. Uh, well, on the boards uh, with 43 rebounds, and by the first, by the end of the first half, again, like I said, nobody was shooting the ball pretty well. You had Providence with just 17 total points, Kansas would have 23. Of course, things got a little bit more interesting. Uh, teams put well, both teams, you know, made some more baskets in the second half, but overall, uh, Providence seemed to be off offensively. Uh, again, uh, hold that uh, to Kansas' superior defensive play calling. Bill Self has those guys locked in. I have no complaints about what I've seen from this team. Uh, you know, just and in this matchup, it's just going to be very interesting because you, you really don't know what to expect from North Carolina. But anyways, for um, 
Kansas in the Elite Eight. They had another impressive win. Uh, this time they got the best of Miami, and uh, they blew out Miami, uh, fifty to seventy-six. Uh, of course, Miami was a ten seed. Uh, they were home Miami to just fifteen points, I believe, in this just the second half. And overall, the Hurricanes would shoot thirty-four percent from the field. Again, that's indicative of what. Kansas has been doing so far. Kansas controlled uh, controlled the boards with a forty-one to twenty-eight advantage. Uh, you know, again, Miami sc struggled to score. They sh were also shooting at fourteen percent from three, and uh, for Kansas, they would also force fourteen turnovers. So again, they force turnovers. They force teams into bad shots. You can't make a whole lot of buckets in a row on them. Kansas is going to be coming to play now. Let's break down what we saw in the Final Four. Now, in that first matchup, we had the number eight seed, of course, North Carolina taking on the number two seed there. In-state rival, Duke, their arch-hated rival. And this, of course, was Coach K's, of course, for Duke's last last game. Um, well, you know, but the hope was that he could get to a championship, but... Uh, Tar Heels put it into all that final score 81 to 77. Uh, it was a great game uh, by the Tar Heels. Of course, Duke was gonna make it close. It's just one of those games. But uh, for uh, for the Tar Heels, their leading scorer was guard Caleb Love with 28 points, four rebounds. R.J. Davis would get 18 points, four rebounds. Sorry, four assists and seven rebounds. And Brady Manick would get 14 points and four rebounds as well. Of course, Armando Backett would get double digits in this uh, in rebounds. So, you know, again, I think he had a double double overall. Um, for Duke, Ford pa Paulo Banchero will get 20 points, 10 rebounds. I uh, definitely think uh, this year he's he he was easily above and beyond one of du well Duke's best player in my opinion. A really solid big man. Um, you know. Can shoot pretty well, scores scores really well, uh, rebounds, does all the things you want from a big man. I don't know about his range per se. I haven't seen a whole lot of him um, in terms of that, uh, but definitely the big. I say one of the bigger factors behind their overall success. Of course, Coach K's coaching is is gonna is gonna do a lot for them. But um, you know, with him gone now, who knows what happens? But for Hubie Davis. I got to give him props, you know, just for taking this team uh, this far. Uh, in the beginning of the year, you did not, you know, this team, again, looked you like, you know, like it would be an off year. Like, you know, again, you know, it looked like they were breaking in a new coach. And, you know, this is one of those years, it, you know, like a down year. But to, to make it this far um, is shocking. And, again, I don't really know uh, kind of how what the game plan would be for these guys. I, I really don't. You have – so many other, you know, factors that can come that can come up for this game. You have Brady Manick, uh, who's definitely a part of this scoring rotation. You have R.J. Davis, who can bust out and get you 15 plus points. Uh, you know, but then again, you look at Kansas. You have somebody with David McCormick who can work the boards as well. And let's talk about their matchup with Villanova right quick. Of course, they took out the number second. The number Kansas would take out the number two seed Villanova, 81 to 65. Uh, in that game, guard uh, Colin Galepsi, Galepsi, excuse me, for Villanova would get 16, 17 points and two rebounds. And forward Brandon Slater would get 16 points, three assists, and eight rebounds. For Kansas, forward David McCormick will get uh, 25 points and nine rebounds. 
guard Ochai Agbaji will get 21 points, and Jalen Wilson will get 16, sorry, 11 points, 5 assists, and 12 rebounds. So again, you got David McCormick who can, you know, work his way on the boards. He can get you double digits. You got Ochai Agbaji who's going to get you a whole lot of points. Even Wilson is going to put give you double digits and, you know, also some rebounds as well. So both of these teams have some great starters. They have some, you know, great role pre, uh, pieces. Um, I can't remember his first name, but uh, the the backup guard for Kansas Brown, uh, he's a solid defender as well. He can shoot from three. So you, there's these different pieces uh, that are going to be showing up in this matchup. You know, all these guys are going to be looking to be a play a factor. The you know I I really don't know uh, this the strategy for attack for any of these guys now. Uh, you know, just Kansas again in this game. The defense was their calling card. You know, they came to play. Uh, Villanova would only shoot 38% from the field in that game. They were outscored 27 to 40 in the first half. So, again, you know, I think Kansas is going to try to play some lockdown defense. I I can see North Carolina playing some really good team basketball with some, with some ball handling and some passing. If they're able to do those things right and get multiple players firing on all cylinders, they might be able to to offset what Kansas can do offense. Uh, sorry, defensively. Uh, but like I said, for Kansas, defense, 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 defense. Uh, getting on top of players like Caleb Love, of course, uh, taking him out, uh, putting it maybe an extra. Well, I mean, because you have Brady Maddox, you have two big guys to worry about. So, I mean, wow. I mean, you wouldn't see carry some monsters into this game. Um, I think there is some, you know, matchups Kansas could possibly take advantage of. You know, McCormick and Backett should be an interesting matchup. He might have to go up against Maddock, either one. You got Wilson there, the other forward. So these are going to be interesting matchups. Of course, the guards, you know, uh, we mentioned what R, uh, R.J. Davis can do as well. So it's going to be a barn burner, I think. We, we're probably going to see a lot of – We there's a potential, I think, that's – to, to be a lot of points scored. I don't think I, I'm not to say that Kansas defense doesn't show up and you know I I just think that everybody on both teams are scoring on all cylinders. That's just me. That's just me. All right, y'all. Let's move a little let's move on from that. Uh we do have a little bit of some news to get to and uh we have well let's just say this. Uh Oscar Tishiboy, we mentioned him before uh, one of the best rebounders in the league right now. Yeah, down there in Kentucky, Mr. Tashiwe, he wins the player of the year in college basketball. He received 46 of 61st place votes, and he averaged 15 rebounds a game this year. This was the most since 1980. He was going to have five games with 20 or more rebounds and three games with 10 offensive rebounds alone. Uh, gobbles the boards, a pretty decent score as well, scoring over 17 points per game on 60% shooting. And uh, this is all coming from somebody who, who definitely, he, you know, he benefited from the transfer portal. Uh, last season, he was at West Virginia under, under Bobby Huggins, excuse me. And he only was averaging 11 points per game and just over nine rebounds. So this is a huge uptick for him. Definitely boosted his draft stock, uh, definitely changed his future. And again, it, it took, you know, making a move. 
to go somewhere else, but I'm glad he was able to do it. This does nothing but boost his uh, his stocks right now and his uh, fortune. So, uh, congratulations to us to Shibwe. You know, nothing really deep here. Of course, just was named the Player of the Year. Now, here's where the drama uh, comes in. Of course, we talked about uh, there's going to be some fallout on the campus. We're talking about LSU. Now, of course, we know about their firing of Will Wade. His alleged NCAA violations. We're talking about seven level one violations. Again, I don't know the, how the levels work if they're serious or not, but. The key word here is he's also alleged for these things, so I don't think they've uh, completely finished their investigations, but the school has decided to let him go, well, had decided to let him go, and uh, for what it's worth, it has not really worked out uh, with 11 players uh, pretty much entering the transfer portal, including sophomore Mawani Wilkinson and also freshman forward Alex Fudge. We also got... Uh, uh, Sharif O'Neal as well, Shaquille O'Neal's son, in that transfer portal as well, and I would I need to get more perspective, but I I, I almost feel like they they might there might have been some solidarity with that guy. I'm not again this this stuff that he's being accused of is alleged, so it could not be true. And it might, you know, he might have just had, you know, one of those guys who just had those impacts on his players to the point where, well, if he's not going to be here, we don't want to be here. I'm not too sure. That I got to look more into. But the fact that it was 11 players, you know, leaving uh, at one point, you know, in a matter of some weeks. And this team at this point has to start from ground over because they have no scholarship players right now. So, um It'll be very interesting to see what happens with this team going forward. I know they have a new head coach as we speak, uh, but just having to start that whole process over again and have all these different spots open. But then again, I think it might be good for him because it's a fresh canvas and he can, uh, you know, make the team and do all the recruiting, you know, as he would like to do for his, you know, for his system. So I think there's a two, there's, you know, two ways you can look at it. I think it's definitely, you know, you know, it just, it just, it, it is a, a stain on the team, uh, you know, in a way just to have all these players gone. But again, you know, but I guess for the players perspective, you know, they want a chance to play. Uh, they want a chance to go, you know, far into it to the tournament if they can make it, you know, because that's, you know, again, that's where, you know, that's where the eyes are. That's, you know, where some of the, you know, a lot of the scouts are going to be and paying a lot of the, a lot of attention to. So um, they don't want to be on some, you know, scrub team, but they're not going to get a whole lot of love from the media, I guess. Uh, but again, they also, you know, they also could have been, you know, a part of them that really liked Wade. Um, I got to learn some more about him. But as far as I know, he was a pretty popular coach. And and mind you, the stuff that he, you know, uh, is in trouble for now, uh, of course, he was caught via FBI wiretap offering, you know, money to, to you know, to players. And, and mind you, players can do that now uh, anyways and accept money and all that. But I think that the issue is, you know, the, the the school, the members of the school and the coaching staff can't be the ones to do it. You know, it has to be some company or, you know, whatever have you or whatever. You know, you know, the, the you know, name, uh, you know, likeness and all that. You know how it goes. Now, 
you know, I'm going to take another quick break, you know, because it's, it's all it's always something in this world. But we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be breaking down some NFL news. Of course, uh, we are going to be talking about the in, sorry the NFL free agency period. also wanted to share my thoughts on this whole Tom Brady saga. It looks like he's back. And, of course, with that, it uh, looks like his coach decided to step away did he get tired of Tom Brady shenanigans? Who knows? But we'll talk about it when we get back. All right, y'all. Smoke trees and we stay drunk. Yo, our activism attacking the system. The blacks and Latins in prison. Numbers in prison. They victim black in the vision. Shit and know they got his rapping to listen to. I let them know we missing you. Your love is unconditional. Even when the condition is critical. When the living is miserable. Your position is pivotal. What ain't bullshitting you now? Why would I lie? Just to get by. Just to get by. To get fly. The TV got us reaching for stars. Not the ones between Venus and Mars. want to be reading for parts. All right, y'all, we are going to wrap this up for today. Uh, like I said, we're going to be breaking this, or tonight, whenever you're listening to this, we're going to be breaking down some uh, NFL free agency action, of course, uh, the trades. Uh, we're going to break down some trades as well, at least some of the big ones. And uh, in terms of free agency, let's break down what went down in the AFC Wits. It's uh, been a minute for me since I've spoken to you guys, and all these things have transpired. So uh, let's kind of break down what... Uh, happened in the AFC West. It's kind of a recap, quick recap, and I'll uh, state my little piece and my little thoughts on it. But um, as far as what my Raiders were able to do, we brought in Devontae Adams uh, from Green Bay. Uh, signed, uh, actually, we traded uh, with the Green Bay for him. Uh, we get, ended up giving a first and a second round pick. You know, it is what it is, but he's one of the best receivers out there. And um, you know what I've been saying here. We need a strong number one receiver. Always have. Um, we have a great tight end in Clive Waller. We have a great slot or number two receiver in Hunter Renfro. Actually, have a pretty solid backup tight end in Foster Moreau as well. Now that we have, you know, some decent, you know, coverage at running back in terms of depth, uh, like I said, we always needed that number one receiver. We definitely got one. Now we can focus on the offensive line. Um, you know, we did end up getting defensive end Chandler Jones. So, of course, with the re-signing of Max Crosby, we got, you know, both ends of the defensive line wrapped up. Uh, we can definitely see what we can do maybe at the linebacker spot and, of course, always improve that corner, which always seems to be an issue with us. But I thought it was a decent haul. Um, you know, I, I think with, you know, all these other teams in our division making these changes, it's just part of the course, definitely. Uh, but, well, for the Chiefs, they probably didn't make as many moves as you thought they would. Of course, they would end up losing uh, Tyreek Hill. We'll talk about that trade with um, – with the Dolphins in a little bit, uh, but they would end up picking up wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, uh, he's coming off an injury. We have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 
uh, one of Aaron Rodgers, you know, auxiliary pieces, to say the least. So, you know, very interesting to see what goes on. Uh, last year we had uh, with the Chiefs the issues uh, with the offensive line and trying to replace those guys. Now it's going to be replacing the skilled players. Uh, can they do it with, you know, that, that contract that they give in Mahomes? Uh, it'll be interesting to see. They have them tied down for a very long time. Uh, for the Broncos, of course, uh, they, the biggest, one of the biggest splashes uh, of the time period, uh, we have, uh, we, well, they ended up getting Russell Wilson in a trade with Seattle, uh, two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick for that, uh, two second-round uh, second, uh, second picks and a fifth-round pick, and I think the Broncos will be uh, sending uh, quarterback Drew Locke in the mix, uh, tight end Noah Fant, and uh, defensive tackle Shelby here. So, def so draft picks and p a few players, you know what it is. You know how it gets done. Uh, but uh, Russell Wilson uh, is coming off a down year. Uh, in 2020, he would have over 4,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, and 13 compared to 13 interceptions. But uh, now he would cut down on his interceptions last season. But in uh, 2021, he would just have just a little over 3,000 yards with just 25 touchdowns. So, uh, it's interesting to see uh, what happens with Denver. Everybody, at least any Denver fan that you talk to, they'll tell you, oh, we're just a quarterback away, quarterback away. I'm not 100% sure about that, but time will tell. Um, again, we haven't seen those receivers at their peak. Maybe they do need a quarterback. I'll give you that. Uh, I, I don't know what's to come of that defense. Uh, again, they've lost some solid pieces there that they're not really not everybody's being honest about uh and we'll just have to wait and see you know but uh they did add uh, add randy gregory as well a uh, five-year 70 million dollar deal from him of course uh dallas you know they were in the running they wanted to, you know they well they they well they figured you know we've given you so many contracts before you you know you was re-signed with us again that was the whole thing but Randy said, no, I want my guaranteed money just in case I do something stupid. So, hey, it is what it is. I'm not mad at the man for that. Chargers, of course, they do their thing. Uh, they get Mike Williams. They resign him three years, $60 million. Khalil Mack, another big-time move for AFC West team uh, in this period. Uh, they traded with the Bears for a second-round pick uh, and, uh, and a sixth-round pick. So, they get a top, uh, one of the least top uh, pass rushers, I'll say, Top 10 at least. He's still still top 10 at least, right? Or maybe top 15. Uh, they also get defensive back J.C. Jackson. Another great move. Five-year deal. Signed into a five-year deal. $82 million, uh, $40 million guaranteed. He had eight interceptions last season. He was a second-team All-Pro. So, again, the AFC West is looking very, very uh, good right now. Of course, uh, we didn't really break down uh, all of what... Uh, Devontae Adams brings to the table uh, over 1,500 receiving yards, 11 touchdowns last season. He's a five-time pro baller, two-time first-team all-pro. Again, you know what it is. Uh, Chandler Jones, uh, he gets he had 10.5 sacks last season, 41 total tackles. Again, we're, we're pairing him up with Crosby. Uh, man, I, it's going to be... It's gonna be an interesting AFC West race. Uh, one of the best that we've seen. And I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if the Super Bowl winner doesn't come from this division right here. I'm saying it here, all the way. 
We in April. I'm calling it in April. Some other moves that were made. We got the Washington Commanders. They trade for Carson Wentz. Blah. Who cares? Uh, the Dolphins, they will go ahead and sign Teron, offensive tackle Teron Armstead, three-time pro baller, second-team all-pro. Of course, they're looking to figure out what they're going to do offensively. I I heard a rumor that they were trying to trade for Tom Brady. I don't know about all that. But, again, they will hit, uh, end up trading for Tyreek Hill. Again, I think that's a big loss for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, it's a big game for uh, Miami, but particularly for Kansas City. I don't know. It might be the sign of the times. Now, for the Browns, they end up trading for Deshaun Watson. They win that uh, sweepstakes. They, uh, he was recently cleared of criminal charges, which, you know, leads me to say one thing. Money grab. Uh, of course, we all know what his charges were about. Uh, Baker Mayfield would also was also traded, or was he let go? I can't remember what his deal was. Anyways, Baker Mayfield uh, is out there. Uh, in, in in limbo right now, and uh, I think that's what he gets. He wasn't ever that great to me. Uh, I know a lot of people overhyped him because Cleveland fans were just super proud and said, "Oh my God, we are finally doing something." Look at us. I knew it was unsustainable. He just doesn't have the. Uh, I mean, again, it's not like coaching can't help him, but um, he's definitely gonna need some coaching and some and some work if he wants to stay around. Uh, now, uh, they also traded for wide receiver Amari Cooper, so they're looking to, you know, um, expand, looks like. They're looking to get better. I mean, uh, you know, they had a down year, but I, you know, it's not, you know, they had some, I mean, they had some decent talent on that team regardless. I think they had to make the change at quarterback. They had to bring in a really solid wide receiver. And let's see what happens. I heard Jarvis Landry wants to come back, and even Odell Beckham would want to come back. <laughs> how how convenient. How convenient, guys. I know. And for the Falcons, uh, we get the, uh, the, the Matt Ryan trade. Now, they end up trading him to the Colts for a third-round pick. Again, it's the end of the era. Not too much to say here. Uh, we could talk about all Matt Ryan has done and what he hasn't done. So, we all know. Uh, so he goes to the Colts, and, you know, he's a solid quarterback. Uh, and, you know, maybe they get a little bit of luck with the with the roster that they have right now with Jonathan Taylor and their offensive line. They have a really good defense. Maybe with the addition of a good quarterback, that just might be uh, the, the, you know, the piece to take them over the top because he's still a decent quarterback. Uh, it's just, I mean, the only thing about – Indianapolis right now is that they have trash wide receivers. I don't want to say it like that. They don't have a great wide receiver crew. I can say it like that. You know, they don't have great wide receivers. They don't have anybody that stands out there, and uh, that might be their Achilles heel offensively. But who knows what happens in the offseason? I mean, of course, they could always look for somebody in the draft who could pan out. And, you know, and you know they have a couple decent guys. They have Michael Pittman. But, again, outside of that, that's the thing. There's not a whole lot of, you know, uh, talent there in terms of the depth there so um you know if they can get another receiver you know they have a good offensive line uh they have a pretty decent defense they can bring some solid uh, pass catchers in there that might take them over the top i still think they have a little bit of work to do uh now the, but it, it wasn't it, i will say this it was a sleeper pick because a sleeper trade because 
Matt Ryan is a decent quarterback. He just needs the proper uh, situation to be successful. And that means a really good offense. So uh, that's the whole thing. Now, finally, we have the, the last big trade, uh, you know, recent trade anyways. Uh, the Dolphins, they get veteran receiver. Uh, sorry, the Dolphins trade veteran wide receiver Devontae Parker and a fifth-round uh, fifth pick to New England. And uh, they end up getting a third-round pick next year. Now, Parker would end up looking like, you know, he'll probably be one of the starters going into New England. Because, of course, you got Kendrick Bourne there, uh, Jacoby Myers. So he's probably going to definitely be in that rotation. Well, he's definitely going to be in that rotation. And for Miami, they look to stack up on draft capital for next season, just in case this season is not that good. Let's just be real. And it might not. Uh, now, last season, uh, Parker would play in 10 games, and he would make eight starts. Uh, he would have 40 receptions, 515 yards, and two touchdowns. He would have a breakout year in 2019, though, with 72 receptions and two, over 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns. But staying healthy has been his issue lately. And uh, he's only been he's only, he, sorry he's actually missed nine games in the past two seasons. So I think this is a kind of another low key sleeper potential trade. I think he's definitely going to be if he's healthy. I think he's going to be uh, probably the one or two option there in New England. I don't see why he wouldn't be the first um, option. So I think there's a chance that he can improve his production just by virtue of just being there and being healthy. That's the whole thing. I think he has to show that he's healthy. He obviously shown he could. Well, let's say this. He's been in the league since 20, uh, I want to say 2015, 2014. Again, he had his first little breakout year in 2019. I, uh, I don't know how much more he got, but to be honest with you, but staying healthy would mean a lot. He's still relatively young. But in terms of, you know, just how many opportunities he's going to get after this, uh, you know, he's definitely going to be, I think he's going to be a starter here in New England. So I think both teams, you know, of course, it, it, I think both teams benefit from this trade. Again, you have a starting caliber wide receiver. He just has to stay healthy. And uh, we'll have to see. And I think he's, you know, he's always he's always been, I, I believe, at least, you know, top 20, at least, in terms of, of stats and stuff like that. Correct me if I'm wrong. But he's a decent wide receiver. So, again, health for him. And, then of course, with Miami, it's just about stacking draft picks. <laughs> I think, well, it's a new regime. So, they're getting, you know, they're getting as many fresh faces as they can. It makes sense. Let's just keep it real. But I don't know how great the Dolphins are going to be this year, just to, just to say, even even with Tyreek Hill, because I'm not <laughs> I'm not buying their quarterback. I'm not buying their quarterback. He'll have to show me something, blow my mind, do what Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert did. They just changed my whole perspective. They just went out there and balled out. I have to be convinced. I'm sorry. I'm just that type of person. But anyways, y'all, I'm going to call it a wrap for today. And when we come back, we will be breaking down some more. Uh, actually, baseball's back. So we'll be breaking down some of that, spring training, what's happened, the resolution to everything. Yes, because we have beef between the players' union and the play. Well, the players' union and the players, of course, against the league. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what you know what's going on as of recently all the headlines in the MLB that I can find we're going to talk about some NBA we got to get back into that because of course it's been a minute I spent so much oh man y'all be surprised what I had to do to put out that last project man um 
just so many hours just trying to uh, do many do so many different things with it, edit it, and then I had to restart it because it wouldn't upload. There's all different types of bullshit I had to go and finagle and work with. So I had to take a couple of days away off and <laughs> get away from a whole bunch of stuff and you know recording and, and editing. I had to stay away from shit for a while because I uh, I ran into the ground. No matter how much you love something, you got to take you know take your time away. And uh, but we back. And uh, hopefully you liked this episode here. I plan to be back within at least a couple of days. Uh, get this going again uh, in terms of a proper pattern. We, oh man, uh, there's so much that goes on <laughs> in the world that we need to be talking about. But like I said, uh, in terms of you know my next podcast, more so like I said, sports related. Uh, just as a disclaimer. Uh, I am working on another upon further review this time. I'll be working on Car Wash. Of course, that's going to be on the YouTube channel. Please check it out. Never Out of Bounds. Same name as the podcast. Um, I do have some new projects. Well, the new project there, uh, The History of Oregon Football or Opportunity U. And uh, so please check that out. Again, we have the, I have the new upon further review on the way. Uh, some back burner projects that I haven't uh, started yet and or need to finish will be put out as time goes along as well so prepare for those and uh yeah we back in it we back at least on the podcast tip we, we finally well i'm finally back hello y'all i missed y'all so if you if you like this you enjoyed this please be sure to follow me uh at least on instagram for now i will be having some uh more more social media links available soon as soon as I get the time to develop to, to set all this stuff up but anyways I'll leave the link for my Instagram available for you guys also the link for the YouTube channel as well if anybody hasn't told you yet I love you peace out one love and I'll let you guys later